The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I remember years and years ago, we were on a trip. And on this trip, we, you know, we had lots of different young students that were uh, new to Judaism. So on the ride, we had with us one rabbi who had never, just, you know, what they call green, right? Fresh off the boat from Israel, right? Had never really taught classes, especially not to people that weren't so religious. So it's a daunting thing. You're a rabbi. You know, you know, you're your peers. You grew up religious. Everyone you know is religious. Now you have to give a class to a bunch of kids from a very secular school, you know, guys, girls. You don't really know if they're going to appreciate what you're saying, understand the way you mean it, etc., etc. So he was bugging out, you know, that he would have to teach. What happened? Unfortunately, in the middle of the trip, one of the students in the trip, one of the kids, had an emergency. It had to be taken to the hospital. The only staff member that could take them to the hospital was me. So I had to travel with this kid in the ambulance, right, to the hospital. Anyway, I called this young rabbi in, new, green, right, you know, green. I said to him, I'm not going to get back in time for the class. It's a very important class. You know what this class is about and why it's so important to teach on this trip, right? Part of what we do when we take a trip like that is we teach foundational Judaism. You're not going to teach a random class. Each and every class was picked and chosen. You're only going to have 10, 5, 7, 8, 10 classes. Which, which classes do you choose? If you have one shot, right, to be able to communicate, to talk to a Jewish neshama on a trip to New York or Australia or South Africa, wherever you went, which 10 things do you want, which 10 classes do you want to focus on? So there's a lot of thought that goes into it. I'm going to miss this class. It's a big deal. It's a very important class. I called the guy in. I said, listen, I'm not going to be back in time. And he's already going like this. No, 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 no. I said to him, you must teach this class. He says, I can't, I can't, I didn't, I didn't prepare it, I didn't this, I didn't that. They're going to rip, they're going to tear me up alive. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not, it's going to be a disaster. I said to him, look, I'm going. The only one here is you. If it's not you, it's nobody. Do you want on your head the fact that we missed out on such an important thing, that the future of these Jewish kids may be forever altered because I was not here and you didn't step up. You, you've been learning Torah your whole life. If, if I asked you to just recite the Torah and Judaism that you knew, you could speak right now for three weeks. Get in the game! I was coach gartering him, like, you know, let's go. You need to talk to them about what it means to live a life that includes faith in God. You need to talk to them about this. So I said, my examples are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Those are my examples. This is how I teach it. But I trust you. I don't want you. You don't have to teach my class. I'm not going to teach you how to teach my class. What does it mean to you in 2020, whatever the year was? I remember. Obviously, it wasn't. I was already here by then. Right? What does it mean to you in this world to live a life of faith? How does that differ from someone that lives life without faith in God? What does that mean? You translate it. You teach it to them. I want to tell you something. This guy's a young guy. But some of the students came back and said it was a talk. One of the talks that moved them the most on the entire trip. I wasn't in the class. But I asked him after the class, I said, they really enjoyed it. You were very nervous about how it would turn out. Tell me one thing. Did you teach anything that I told you to teach? He said, no, I'm so sorry. You know, I got into it. I, you know, I just kept talking about that. And it was very personal. And I talked to them about one of the things that I struggled with when I was becoming a rabbi. And I talked to them about how, you know, my emunah helped me through that very difficult time. And everyone was sharing in the room, you know, how they dealt with difficult times and how they, they prayed, even though they never prayed before, how they prayed in English, how they felt God's help, how they felt God's support. 
I said, look, I want you to remember, because now you saw what happened when there was nobody else. You stepped up, you hit a grand slam. Everybody loved it. You didn't need anybody else's material. You didn't need to copy anybody else. You were the man. Just remember that the same guy that was in that room when I was away is going to be the guy while I'm here. Now that I'm here and you're here and you think you should default to me, I'd like to ask you to give one another one of the classes. But you know what happened? If he had that moment in the sun and he saw that he was capable, he said, okay, sure. Which one do you want me to teach? From a guy that was melting into a puddle of water at the thought of having to teach a Torah class. All it took was someone saying, I'm not here. You're here. You need to do this. You can do this. I believe in you. That was enough. I could have said, I'm your boss. Teach the class. I could have said that. That's Sephor. That's Pekod. But in every interaction, we have the opportunity, the choice to be able to use it as a command or as something which is su'et rosh. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.